The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel. It is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. It is 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, which means it is time for a Blog of the Boys Roundtable. My name is RJ Ocho. We did not have a live show normally, uh, our normal live show rather, on the channel because the Dallas Cowboys are actually currently practicing in parallel with our roundtable. They are not watching tonight, which is uh, really offensive to all of us. You can watch this, of course, live with us. You can catch the rewatch. Make sure to subscribe to the Blog on the Boys YouTube channel, or you can listen to the podcast version of the show on the Blog on the Boys podcast network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating and write a review. It would not be a roundtable if I were not joined by the best in the business going in clockwise wise order there at the 12 midnight position the one and only the og you read him and hear him all over blogging the boys it is tom ryle top right corner coming in from i don't know exactly where his country is located on the globe maybe the top right well it's somebody's top right uh all the way from scotland the one and only paul stewart paul thank you so much for being here on what is a late uh time slot for you in your native land underneath paul in our brady bunch window setup all the way up in the top left quadrant of these united states it is danny phantom dan nice hat selection you look like jason garrett uh in his youthful days uh here on uh, the round table the six o'clock position here uh today is brandon clements one of our newer writers at blog and the boys brandon uh has fought the internet gremlins before he has seemingly come out very successful from the very beginning here on tonight's show and finally with us uh rounding out the the circular clockwise motion you know him you love him the uh the true emperor of darkness what was the name mark lane uh back in the day was it the prince of darkness i've I've long forgotten at this point in time. I know that's a bit of a throwback for you. Uh, yeah, it was Marcus Aurelius Maximus. So, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I massively undersold that. I, I cannot believe the, that I did not remember that uh, off the top of my head. Tom, the Dallas Cowboys got rid of five players today. That is how we start. They are currently practicing. So, again, it will be a bit of a unique show. Uh, we'll try to get some clips that are tweeted from the practice happening now live at the Star in Frisco. Uh, but the five decisions that the Cowboys have made today, Tom. They have moved on from Lareem Hyrulahu, effectively cementing Brett Maher as the kicker, at least for now. Uh, Jaquari Roberson, one of the wide receivers on this team, uh, has met the Turk. Quandre Mosley on the other side of the ball. Christian Sam as well. And Jeremy Sprinkle, the veteran tight end, uh, opening the door for Peyton Hendershot. Tom, your immediate takeaways. Not any real surprises. I was a little bit expecting them to wait a while before they made the kicker decision. Apparently they think they've seen enough already or they're desperate to get some more guys in for tryouts, one or the other. 
Uh, I know that you love how they've handled the kicker situation since day one, RJ. Uh, and uh, the the decision on Sprinkle was interesting, although, you know, since it was an injury thing, uh, maybe they felt it was time to go so they could make sure they were getting a good look at Hendershot. I, he, he's the guy that it's big news for because – I think that pretty much gives him a, a way to, to really challenge for the tight end three, and maybe they'll carry four and he makes the squad. So good for him. The others were no surprises at all. So now we wait and we see with the uh, Friday night 60-minute audition for practice squads coming up. Um, Dan, um, were, were there any things, any, any cuts today that – you know, left you with a, um, what is the phrase, a crack in your jaw or whatever? I, I have no idea. Um, oh, my gosh. I just saw that Dak Prescott tweeted about Matthew Barry. Man, Matthew Barry is really on the come up, um, you know, here this time of year. But, uh, but Dan, any roster cuts today upset you greatly? Uh, no, nothing upset me. Um, I think I, I was a little bit surprised, actually, by uh, Quandre Mosley because I thought he played better than Nashawn Wright. Um, not that that means anything, but, uh, I was thinking, I'd like to see a little more of him in that final preseason game. Uh, I thought he made some plays. A lot of the, these other guys, you know, their snap counts, you can tell, you can almost tell that, you know, Jakari Robinson, Robertson, we, you know, we saw that coming. I think Christian Sam didn't even play last time. And I think we all know that Jeremy Sprinkle wasn't going to make the team unless the Cowboys end up going long at tight end because we're all impressed with Jake Ferguson. I mean, we, you know, we, we all can say that. Uh, so, no, I mean, and then of course, uh, Hyrule Hoop. I think that uh, I don't. I don't know. I thought it was. I, I agree. I figured that would come later, but I don't. I mean, I don't even know how to feel about the kicking situation. So, I, I feel fine. Nothing. No big surprises. Mark. Yeah, for me, um, I talked with Eric Galco from the Shrine Bowl about some of the Cowboys undrafted free agents and he was really high on Peyton Hendershot going back to May and thought that he could challenge for a roster spot so these developments with Jeremy Sprinkle I think kind of track with the youth infusion that was placed at the tight end position more so with the draft of uh, drafting of Jake Ferguson um but with the the kicking situation I thought they would let that play out a few more weeks um I didn't think that they would just make the decision now and go with Brett Maher I have to think although Mike McCarthy was high on Brett Maher in his presser today I have to think that the personnel department has their eyes on some kickers in other battles on other rosters wondering if they can get them because you know everybody's got a practice leg for their old kicker someone's going to do the kickoffs in the preseason games and so forth and I wonder if they're looking at one of those young guys but um yeah I'll have more thoughts uh, on the kicking situation later but these cuts I think are are none too surprising I think the big surprises will obviously be when they trim down to 53 uh 164 hours from now interesting uh 
great way to to mark the time there, Mark. Um, you know, we're all counting down the Helga, Helga Pataki style uh, with the 164 hour <laughs> mark. Um, the uh, the Dallas Cowboys are practicing currently, as mentioned. My attention is all over the place, so a big shout out. Uh, we're not doing the normal roundtable point system. I have awarded all five of my cohorts um, the, the the dual and roundtable champions all together. Uh, Kevante Turpin he re- um, is in the mix currently at Cowboys practice, getting work at wide receiver. Paul, um, are you a fan of this? Are you jealous on behalf of Tony Pollard? Do you do you think that you know this is something that we're actually going to see over and over and over this season, or do you think this is just kind of a training camp myth? Um, I, I think it's just I think it's caught everybody by surprise, to be honest. Like, what see what more the Turpin can actually do, like bring more to the squad. I mean, we know what he can do in special teams, but I don't see it being more like it's taking anything away from Pollard at all. But I think it's just going to give more Kellen more more options how to utilize his offense more than anything. Brandon, do you agree, or do you think that Cavante Turpin could eat into the minuscule slice of pie that is afforded to Tony Pollard? I think he could. I think I think Tony Pollard's got a solid role going uh, going forward for the season. But Cavante has shown enough flash. I mean, he is kind of a, a diminutive guy, but he's so quick. So I, I do feel there's going to be a, enough gadget plays to go around. Maybe you'll actually see both of them on the field. I would actually like to see them do, you know, something, both of them in the slot on each side of the field and just, you know, use their speed and cross up defenders and just uh, just have fun with it. I think Dak would have a lot of fun uh, throwing those throwing those two because they're going to be a lot of yak uh, for uh, for him. Even if they're five, he could, they could turn a five-yard uh, pass uh, to an 80-yard touchdown. So both those guys on the field at the same time would be something I'd like to see. Tom, do you believe that the Cowboys can effectively utilize Cavante Turpin and Tony Pollard, or have you been burned too many times before? <laughs> uh, I certainly hope they can use him. I'm encouraged that they're, they look to be working Turpin, you know, more as a conventional wide receiver than just a jet sweep guy, because I think that makes him a lot more distracting to the defense, gives them a lot more options. And I was just watching uh, Dak getting a completion to uh, – uh, Dalton Schultz. So, you know, he's going from the big to the small with his uh, targets out there in practice. I just like, I think Turpin may actually wind up moving up the wide receiver charts. That guy's got so much speed, such a natural evasiveness. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to get too worked up about a guy that was signed that way after being out of, after not being in the NFL for four years, but you know, there's just so much popping up with him. You have to be at least intrigued. Um, Dan, you are, um, I wouldn't say an optimist, but you are somebody who affords the benefit of the doubt to people. It's one of one of the more beautiful qualities of, of your bright, shining personality. Um, you're a beautiful soul, Danny Phantom. Um, Jesse McCartney wrote the song about you, actually. Uh, I'll put this question to you. Johnny Boy RN says, Pollard has been a misused weapon during his tenure. Why would we expect that Turpin will be used any differently? That's a that's a great question, and I, I think that we shouldn't. Um, I Wow. I don't think I'm going to tell Jesse. I, uh, I, I just, I mean, let's, let's just be real. I mean, it's possible it happens, but, but I think for that to happen, what needs to happen is in the limited opportunities that um, Turpin's going to see in the offense, I think he's going to have to end up breaking one early for him to, like, say, hey, Looky here, you know, you better give me the ball. Because if that does not happen, then I think it's end up going to be, it's just going to be, you know, not used as much. And you have to look at this too. 
if, if we think they're, they're going to keep the receivers we think they're going to keep, there's a lot of targets. If you go down the list of, you know, with CD and Schultz and all, and all these players, it's, it takes a while before you get down to Turpin and like, where is, where are these touches going to come from? So I think, um, I don't know. I think it honestly could be like, he could get as, as many touches as Jordan Lewis did back whenever he was getting. Wow. Damn, I hadn't thought about that in a while um, that the Cowboys, you know, we've thrown out a lot of names like Lucky Whitehead, Lance Dunbar, but you're right. Jordan Lewis did get a, a, now, interestingly enough, the other number two um, to, to Kevontae oh. Turpin. So I uh, wonder who's going to win that out. Mark, how much do you trust the Cowboys? Are, are you with Dan? Are, are you experiencing some trepidation that, you know, hey, look, I mean, we've, we've seen this before. And, and, and like beyond the fact that maybe we don't even trust them, like there is the fact that Tom mentioned, like where everyone, like this insane amount of hype has just all of a sudden blossomed out of nowhere from, from somebody that, that no NFL team, you know, deemed worthy of a roster spot when training camps began. I think that Turpin's role is more so to take away Tony Pollard's kickoff return responsibilities and CD Lamb's punt return responsibilities more so to solidify your punt returner because Cedric Wilson, who was on punt returns, is now in Miami. So I think that that's his main role on this roster. And everything else is just kind of the gravy and the excitement that everybody turns to. Kellen Moore did say on August the 3rd, back in Oxnard, he said about Turpin, quote, will be able to find him a role on the offensive side just to use him in space, give him the ball, things he did really, really well in the USFL and certainly at TCU as well, unquote. So you only get so many offensive snaps in a game, so there may not be the opportunity to really make it Turpin time. So uh. if you're looking for Turpin time, I think it's going to be on special teams where I, he's also displayed – really good judgment in terms of protecting field position and also securing the football. That's really where Cavante Turpin's value is to the roster. Paul, I want to throw out one more name just to kind of, I think we're all kind of united in, in this devil's advocate approach. Um, Danny, uh, again, if there were points tonight, you would have earned a lot for the Jordan Lewis callback. That was a great moment, Danny, but too bad. It was all in vain. Um, but that being said, Donnie brings up Tavon Austin's name. We have seen, a number of players failed to be utilized. In fact, he was somebody who the Cowboys hyped up as this web back and things like that. And it just, it didn't happen. It didn't get off the ground. I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think any of us would agree that, that all of this has seemingly happened in the Zeke Elliott era. They just, to, to Mark's point, they just want to divide the touches in a very specific way. So are you experiencing any sort of emotional um, kind of conflict within yourself where you're not allowing yourself to believe in Kevante Turpin as this weapon on offense because of the precedent that we've seen before? Yeah, I, I can I understand that. I kind of it kind of reminds me of the whole situation with uh, we had with Ryan Switzer as well for special teams as well. Like as an anime you could probably throw in the book as well. But um, but yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't really have really much else to kind of add on top. You kind of really more or less answered the question for me there, RJ. <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, then um, let's let's segue to to something you just brought up in the chat, Paul. Matt, well, yeah. let's go. Uh, rookie yes. fifth round pick. Uh, by the Cowboys. Again, this is just a unique roundtable and that we have things kind of developing while we're on. Uh, but rookie Matt will let's go back practicing for the first time since July 28th. So almost a month removed from his last practice, which was almost his first practice to begin with in the NFL. The Cowboys, Paul, do not have
have a viable plan at swing tackle. Technically, this is a step in the right direction. The fact that Let's Go is even available to him. A lot of people kind of thought he might start the season on injured reserve. That's still obviously possible. Uh, but I mean, what what's I don't know. I was going to ask for a, like a scale or grade, but like just your thoughts on Matt. Well, let's go practicing on uh, on Tuesday night. I'm happy he's back, but I'm just curious to know if he's brought back too soon. That's my only concern. Like, is the medical team done? Like, made sh- are they happy with his recovery? Is he all healed up, etc.? So that's what I'm kind of worried about because we don't want to be going into like like this. Because well, Esco could be that guy to be that solution for the swing tackle position. It could be that guy, but we just don't know yet. Like, it's just one of those ones we just need to kind of wait and see and how things progress with him. But it's just, but it is great to see him getting some reps, getting in a bit the action. But again, at the same time, I'm just kind of apprehensive a bit about it. At the same time, where is he back too soon? Like, don't want to make the matters worse. Brandon, how do you feel about Matt Willetsko being back? Does this provide optimism for you, or is it? are you just indifferent? I mean, he's a fifth-round pick. I mean, you know, who's basically having his second NFL practice ever on August 23rd. I'm, I'm out of the optimist. I really liked Matt Willetsko coming into the draft. I think he's a very athletic guy. So, I mean, it's been almost a month since he practiced. So, I assume at this point he's, he's, he's good to go. I mean, he wouldn't be out there practicing, I don't feel like, if he, was, you know, if he wasn't able to go. Um, I know he's not, I know he's going to have to eventually get the work done on his shoulder for the injury, but um, he's going to toughen it out. Hopefully he can, hopefully he can stick. My, my hope is to get some actual playing uh, time for him this coming week on the preseason game to just to see how he does, because let's be honest, Josh Ball has been a major issue. I, I would like to see Josh Ball just kind of go through the cracks and get him to uh, hopefully maybe we can get him back on the practice squad. I mean, just based off of his performance, I don't see why Dallas couldn't just let him go. And then Josh Ball just magically appears back on the practice squad. But at the same time, the swing tackle, the swing tackle dilemma is, is there's, there's a lot of layers to it. I, I will tell you this, Matt Farniak, I know he plays the center and the guard positions, and I, I, he looked pretty good this past week. So I, I, would, I think having Matt Farniak playing well uh, at that position with Connor McGovern, you kind of have that interior of the line ready to go. So in an instance where Tyra Smith goes down again, you can, again, I, you, could, you could slide Ty, uh, Tyler Smith over to left tackle, put either Farniak or McGovern at the guard, to, uh, guard spot and be good to go. And, and God forbid you have two tackles go down, you could slide Tyler Smith to left tackle. And we've seen Zach Martin slide over to right tackle. And then you got the interior, you know, taken care of between Farniak and McGovern. And then you have Bidiash at the uh, center position. So, uh, segueing just a little bit here, but keeping it on the offensive line, uh, Tom, this one's yours. Uh, ESPN's Todd Archer. There are some limitations to what the local beat can tweet out video-wise and whatnot, so we're at the mercy of uh, the mothership, but, uh, but that they can tweet observations. Uh, Tom, ESPN's Todd Archer tweeting just now that Connor McGovern is getting some snaps with the first team at center. Um, he added, why has this not happened earlier? We have seen the Cowboys experiment with Matt Farniok at center before. Um, you know, this, I think, has been talked about. There, you know, there was the Connor Williams experiment at center a year ago that did not go well during the preseason. Um, I mean, you can make an argument, I suppose, Tom, that your best five are, are truly Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Connor McGovern, Zach Martin, and Terrence Steele. Uh, this seems like a... a I don't want to read too much into it, but this seems like a bad 
moment for for Tyler Biotis that the Cowboys are with the first team willing to try out somebody who they've never had play the center position almost two weeks before the regular season begins. Yeah, and I think it also um, it has to give you pause because something that I don't think has been mentioned is Tyler Smith is not practicing today, and there's been no reason, no word out as to why. Um, so that would be a huge wrench thrown into the works. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the idea that they're looking for the best depth they can get. And I will admit that I have been very impressed with the reports I've seen on Connor McGovern all camp long. He seems to have taken a pretty decent stride this year after he struggled so much last year when they tried to go with him. But, uh, yeah, I've, it makes you you have to kind of look at this and then you look at over what they did with kicker and you look at how they handled the left tackle situation and you just wonder if this is all part of a dysfunctional management thing going on um dan uh the question that i threw to you um you handled well but you weren't bright shiny and positive um so we'll take tom's kind of negative point and and, and then pair it with johnny boy rn's comment who had the comment that i threw to you actually uh but johnny boy rn now saying it smells of a desperate move talking about moving Connor mcgovern to center um at least for the moment demoting tyler biotish do you see that as as desperation dan do you see that as innovation um does the fact that it's occurring on august 23rd as opposed to july 29th impact your decision because if we had seen this you know when the cowboys had first arrived in oxnard you can make the the argument that hey look it's training camp we're just starting we're kind of throwing crap against the wall seeing what sticks but right now you're supposed to be kind of getting ready for the bucks yeah, you know, honestly, this last 10 minutes of conversation is just going to make me feel really unsettled because <laughs> all this all this offensive line talk that it's just, I mean, it just goes from bad to worse. And uh, I, I'll say this, though, I, I'm going to try, I'm going to, I'm going to spin this positively. Okay, the, the fact that we are seeing Connor McGovern taking reps at center means that maybe they don't want to start him at left guard at the beginning of the season. And I know that everyone, everyone has Tyler Smith penciled in. At left guard, and let's certainly hope that's the case. But if you if you look at things, and he's got great plays on tape, but he also has moments where you know the mental mistakes where he's a little bit of a liability too. So I, I'm not completely I wasn't completely sold that he's even going to start at left guard by in week one. Um, but if they're moving McGovern around other spots, that makes me feel a little better about what they're seeing in Tyler Smith. So. I don't know, and gosh, you know, I just all this Josh Ball talk and well, well, let's go stuff, and I, I, I'm not excited about well, let's go being back because I mean I, I'm pulling for the guy, and I hope he has great practice and everything, but I hope the Cowboys address this because all these other contingency plans just seem dreadful to me, and as bad as Josh Ball has been, all the non-Josh Ball options are are worse, so. I don't know. It just frightens me until I see a veteran, them sign a veteran to bring in. I'm not going to feel better about the offensive line. Mark, I'm sure you have a quote from somebody at some point uh, talking about Connor McGovern playing center. Um, but do you view this as desperation? Um, because it's to Dan's point, it's difficult to find a configuration of the offensive line that isn't the one that we've just kind of assumed to be the starting one this entire time. It's difficult to find a different configuration that we don't have a huge problem with. Like, you know, there's, there's some sort of problem that in, you know, any configuration that involves Josh ball, the dance point is terrifying. Any configuration, um, obviously absent of Tyron Smith is, is terrifying regardless of who it is. But I mean, 
this does kind of, I don't know. I'm curious for your take, Mark. Well, one of the things that Mike McCarthy talks about when it comes to players is really your quarterbacks and your kickers and punters and long snappers, they're your specialists, if you will. Their role on the roster is just kind of one thing. When it comes to the other players, they have to be able to do a multitude of things because you only get 45 game day activations. So what if, let me just throw this out there, what if they're taking a look at Connor McGovern's versatility because they want to know what they have in store, what they what combination of the line they'll have to jumble together. If he's starting at left guard and something happens to Tyler Biotic, it does it make more sense to have McGovern slide over or do you just roll with Farniok? The thing with McGovern getting center snaps is according to an interview he did uh, you know, with the media on July the 31st, 2021, out in Oxnard, he said that he only practiced center for a practice and a half in his rookie year with the Cowboys. And since then, with Joe Philbin, it's been exclusively guard. So it's this has been the first time in the Philbin era that say, say that is, say that again, Mark. Just so we're very clear. Say that again, please. All right. This is the first time since Joe Philbin's been offensive line coach that Connor McGovern has taken snaps at center. He did in his rookie year in for a practice and a half, he said. And then, you know, he got injured and so forth, and that kind of marred his rookie season. But even McGovern playing center is unknown territory, even if you're doing it as kind of like a – I don't know why if it's a contingent they wouldn't do this earlier in training camp, not – you know, a fortnight away from the Bucks. So, Mark, that quote is from when? I'm sorry? He said that on July the 31st, 2021, so last training camp. Right. So, but still, we have no evidence of Conor McGovern being used at, at center since then. So, you know, it seemingly just as effective. So, to be clear, so that we fully have our cards out on the table, this is Joe Philbin's third year overseeing the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. So, therefore, Paul... It is Joe Philbin's third year understanding who Connor McGovern is. And so just on a random August evening, um, I don't know what August evenings are like in Scotland, but they're pretty muggy around here. Um, Joe Philbin just decides, you know what? Now's the time. We're about a thousand days into this thing. But, you know, why, why, you know, let's just do it now. Two weeks before the season starts. Did, did all that information from Mark make you feel better or worse, Paul? Worse. Definitely worse. <laughs> Way to go, um, Mark. I I am not well. I'm not a big fan of Joe Philbin in general, personally. I I just think he just sometimes just doesn't know who his starting five. Well, you know who your starting five is, but he just doesn't know who his best players available are, and he seems to be trying to find shortcuts left, right, and center. No pun intended with the center position. Um, but with McGovern, he's been with the team what for four years now. As, this is his fourth year, yeah. So this is his fourth year, and we still cannot identify what position we can actually keep him there rock solid at. We're like, yeah, it can be utilized in that, but I'd rather have an O-line being like 
like, like your Zach Martin, he's a right guard only. He, he doesn't want to be pushed out to tackle. He doesn't want to be playing on the left-hand side. He wants to stick to right guard. I'd rather have that. Like Guys are more solidified in that one position and one position only because that means you have that proper structure. You know your playbook inside, out, left, right. Like uh, If you're going in multiple positions, you need to know what uh, pulls you're doing for this play, etc. It's more to take in. Like The less is more approach is probably best for an o-line if you have the less things to think about the more success you're going to have being an offensive lineman when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Um, Tom, Paul brought it up. It, I mean, or sort of brought it up, but it kind of gets forgotten that the Cowboys not only couldn't make up their mind as far as their offensive line configuration last year, game to game, they couldn't do it within games. I mean, we saw them make adjustments during games, and I think we kind of – there was a lot of gunk in last season that we've, we've kind of tried to, you know, sort of wipe away from our memories. But this is kind of that thing rearing its ugly head here, you know, and, and I, none of us are trying to overreact, but it is just such a random data point to now all of a sudden exist that it can't help but conjure memories of that, can it, Tom? Yeah. As for the whole team, you, you seem to find yourself doubting just what is the plan? They have Tom, I don't. Is that my internet or Tom's? Is any is anybody hearing Tom? Okay, so that was really dramatic. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, Dan, that's your question now. Uh, that Tom failed. Yeah, I'm sure Tom, Tom was going to say something great, so it's going to be hard to to top that. I, I um, you know what? I had, I don't know what to think of Philbin, and I, I I was really excited his first year, and I thought that. You know, the Cowboys, they were hit hard with injuries. And, you know, I thought they he worked wonders with those guys because, you know, Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele. Like what he did lost. with, yeah, and Terrence Steele, yeah. to your good point. Yeah. yeah. It, it was fantastic. And then, of course, last year, I felt like it was almost the opposite. It's like we had an abundance of depth. And then they didn't know what to do, you know, and it's almost like each week they were like drawing names out of a hat. Who's playing? Idle where? hands. Idle yeah, hands, Danny. And then they're playing, guys are playing fullback, they're running routes. I mean, it's like they're all over the place. And they, they, they bench this guy, the Nobel, he's terrible. So then back to this guy. So, I mean, it's like, it's like they don't really have a good idea of their line situation. And I mean, I don't even, I didn't have a good idea either. It was, it was just crazy. So I don't know what to think about Philbin. And, and I don't, so, and that's why I'm super paranoid right now entering year three of him and we don't got a swing tackle. And so I don't know. It, I'm, I'm hopeful. He's, he's been a good coach, you know, for many years and, he took over for McCarthy when he got fired in Green Bay, and I mean, he's. I, but I, I don't know. I, it's, I'm a. I'm a little worried. 
Um, you use the word worried, Tom. I'm setting you up for a question um, as, as soon as I can type it out so I can build up the drama. Um, by the way, Tom, I don't know if you know this or not. You're um, Well, actually, before we go there, uh, Paul, you had the Joe Philbin point you wanted to get to very quickly. Yeah, you stole Tom's to, thunder. Yeah, just to kind of add on what Dan was saying there. So I just want to remind people, it's like, see if Taylor Moore was not our offensive coordinator, Joe Philbin would have been that that's people would tend to forget that like if because when you when you're talking about it like philbin was like oc for mike mccarthy all those years and and nearly every job before that it was pretty much a one-year wonder being an o-line coach or an oc from college years from team to team to team to team but green bay was his longest ever tenure as a coach never seen that in dallas now but it's just like is he really that good if he's going from job to job? So I'm just kind of wondering, it's like, would you rather have him, like, just remembering, like, he would have been our OC if that was, if Mike McCarthy really had everything his way? Mm-hmm. Um, That's fair to wonder. I mean, at this point, it's like, I, I, my long worry, and Tom, I'm coming to you right now, but my long worry has been that this season's not going to go whether the offense is going to fall flat for reasons that we're kind of outlining here uh, and, and a reason that I'm about to set Tom up with, but that Mike McCarthy's going to, in the offseason, do some interview on the Rich Eisen show, whatever, like last year, and be like, well, you know, I never got a chance to run my offense. You know, I, I, had, to, I had to run Kellen Moore's offense the moment I got to Dallas and that that's going to be the scapegoat for, for this or whatever. Um, Tom, you had an internet issue. I don't know if you're aware of that or not or if you thought it was us. Uh, but it was on your end. You sounded very funny. Alex wants to know or wants to say that you sounded like you were transforming into Optimus Prime. I think that's a, a fair characterization, uh, okay. honestly, of what the noise was like. Uh, but glad you're you're alive and glad you're, you're stable here as far as your connection is concerned. Uh, at the beginning of practice, right before we started again, um, Jalen Tolbert had another rough moment. Now, um, we have seen... Not the most wonderful things from Tolbert. Had the fourth down drop against the Broncos two weeks ago. Had the the bad moment against the Chargers. Didn't know where his feet was. Um, didn't get down for the touchdown. But um, right now, actually, as I set this question up, Jalen Tolbert's having some successes. Seen some tweets from David Hellman of Fox Sports. Skywalker still have A to Z Sports. Um, but so are you worried? Like, would a good practice calm those nerves? Like, do you feel worried about Jalen Tolbert? Because there's a lot riding on him ascending to legitimate wide receiverness. I'm just going to say that I'm hoping that if he stumbles, some of the others stand up. And I think with Simi Oh, the, all the options that they have, right. Yeah. And, and, but they, they're having, there's some people having some great camp. Admittedly, it's just camps. But, you know, you've got, you've got other people. I hope they don't have to rely completely on Jalen Tolbert to be wide receiver two or wide receiver three. And, you know, we're just going to have to find out. But, uh, as you said, it is nice that he's had just had some successful plays. And, you know, since we're being very negative, you know, a couple things that are happening that are good. The DAC to CD connection is alive, well, and clicking out there. And Micah Parsons is just a beast. And that's just, you know, a couple of things that have been coming out of this practice. So it's not all doom and gloom. And practices are sometimes to try to find out what's working, what's not working. And you're trying to give people a chance to work on them, any issues they have and hopefully be better when the live game starts. Uh, well, first of all, shout out to us because the moment, Paul, you noted this in the chat, the moment that we brought up this question about Jalen Tolbert, it seemingly inspired him and he's now on fire uh, in Cowboys practice. So if anybody's watching or listening to this late, it was just a funny coincidence of timing. Uh, but that being said, Brandon, um, along 
along these lines, the, the reason this is important, and I think the reason that this question is fair is the joke I made to Tom. There are not a lot of options. We have a comment from Johnny Boy RN that says, what a shocker that a third-round receiver is playing like a rookie. You would think Jamar Chases would be found everywhere. The problem is that the Cowboys put an awful amount of stock into Jalen Tober. I mean, they themselves, by you know the decisions they made, kind of exacerbated the pressure that now exists on Jalen Tolbert's shoulders. So if he's not good, you can't necessarily, within the confines of this team as a whole, give him the same you know benefit that you would give a normal third-round rookie. He has to come in and contribute right away. Yeah, he, de- he definitely does at this point, especially with the injury of uh, injuries to James Washington and, and Michael Gallup is still working his way back. I mean, we don't know exactly when Gallup's going to play. He could be out the first month of September. So for, for, from my perspective, I think Dak is going to lean heavily on C.D. Lamb. I think he's going to lean heavily on Dalton Schultz. And I think we're going to see a lot of Zeke and we're going to see a lot of Tony Pollard. But I do think Jalen Tolbert's going to have ups and downs as any rookie does, regardless of what draft around uh, round you're in in the draft it doesn't matter if you're a first second third seventh rounder if you you know if you're a rookie I, you know i expect rookies to make make some mental errors because you know coming from the college game to the pro game is a little bit different uh, so dylan tolbert i think will be fine overall i think he's gonna have a fine season but dak will find other targets and i think jake ferguson's looking great as well so there's there's plenty of plenty of options out there even if our our quote-unquote number two receiver at this point you know has a few bumps and bruises along the way well, once again, shout out to us for inspiring Jalen Tolbert. Mark, uh, Tuesday's roster cuts included the Reem Hyrulahu, Jaquari Robertson, Quandre Mosley, Christian Same, and Jeremy Sprinkle. But absent among the Dallas Cowboys transactions, Brandon was mentioning Michael Gallup, was Michael Gallup being placed on the reserve pup list? Do you read anything into that, Mark? Because you know, we saw some teams around the NFL do that today. It's, it's one example, the commanders placed Chase Young on that list. That automatically takes him out the first four games of the season, which does include the week four contest at AT&T Stadium against the Cowboys. Do you feel like, Mark, the Cowboys not giving Gallup that designation today is, in fact, an indication that he could be back by week two, week three, or week four? Or is it a matter of, well, it doesn't really mean anything. We're fine moving on from the players that we said goodbye to. Maybe we still wind up putting Gallup on that list anyway. I'm pretty sure that they don't have to put him on the pup list until they cut down to 53, correct? Mm -hmm. Like, that's the final one. Okay. All right. So that's really what you read into it is that, you know, Mike McCarthy talked about how he's in the fourth quarter of his rehab and there's some optimism they, you know, Britt Brown feels good about him, the trainers, but they're just, they're waiting to see. So to me, I don't really look at it as a positive or a negative because if he comes through the 53 man roster designation and they do not put him on the pup list, then that's good news. But until then, that's like the pup list that I'm worried about is what you have to do to massage that 53-man roster. Mm, well said. Dan, um, do you read anything into the Gallup thing? Do you have a hard take on the Tolbert thing? We've, we've cruised through a few things since we came back to you. Yeah, I don't read anything into the Gallup thing. I figure like it's going to be close whether it's a four-game miss or not. I, so I don't think it's going to bother me either way. I, decide, I don't really care too much about how they designate him right now. Um, the Tolbert thing, I, I do have thoughts on. I, I think that I think uh, he is overly scrutinized, to be honest. I think that he was having a great camp, doing really There's well. The person Jesse McCartney wrote that song about, yeah, by the way. I mean, I think what's really important is 
seeing how he's doing the chemistry with Prescott. That's really all that matters. I don't care about what's going on with the other the other guys. And um, but he's having a great camp, and you know, and then people see him in preseason games, and he's not making the plays that we're hoping for. But you know, neither is Dennis Houston because you know what, same kind of situation. It's like so, and now he's back in camp making plays, doing Jalen Tolbert things. So I think so, when you get go ahead, Dan. Sorry. No, I think that. I think it's like like Brandon was saying. We definitely need to, you know, temper our expectation. He is a rookie. There's going to be, he's going to have some growing pains. But I, my expectations are still pretty high for this guy, and I think that he's going to contribute um, in this offense. And you know, he's not obviously there are other targets ahead of him, but I think he's going to make plays in this offense. I'm, I'm not worried about Tolbert. Tom, uh, a tweet a moment ago from BTB alum and friend of the show, Landon McCool, um, who noted that, and, and again, it was funny that the fact that Tolbert had success when we started talking about it, but the reason he partly had success is because Dak Prescott's throwing him the ball. The, the Tolbert that has struggled, at least in the preseason, has not had that luxury. Um, and so Landon's tweet was basically to that effect, saying that, you know, we, we can kind of conclude that these are, are Will Greer, Cooper Rush issues. Um, so to that point, Tom, okay, great. We feel awesome about Jalen Tolbert. But we now sort of have concrete proof, if we stretch the word concrete a little bit here, that the backup quarterbacks are literally inhibiting the talent of the (laughs) offensive players. So, I mean, there's already a strong enough argument against Will Greer and or Cooper Rush, but does that not aid to the fact that the Cowboys sort of need to look elsewhere for a QB2? Or are they kind of just stuck here? I mean, because this is such an important position with regards to chemistry and relationships and things like that. Do they just now have to ride with one of these options because they're at the point they're at in the calendar? First off, can you hear me? Because it just gave me a warning about my mic. Am I good? We can hear you. I've, okay. I've never heard a warning. We've been using this for years, and that's never happened. So yeah, I think I think the plug had just worked loose on it, and I hadn't realized it. Um, I will say that the problem with your backup quarterbacks inhibiting your players is probably common to like twenty-five to thirty NFL teams every year. Uh, the reason they're your backup quarterbacks is that they aren't good enough to be starting quarterbacks. So I think that's almost a natural thing that's going to happen. It's why some of the preseason games can look very ragged. Uh, you know, why defenses sometimes look a lot better than the offenses because your, your backup quarterbacks just don't have the talent, don't have the ability. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not that concerned to hear that. Uh, that does not mean I'm endorsing Greer or Rush as the the backup quarterback i just like with kicker i would hope the cowboys are taking a hard look when the the big time cuts start coming and people start hitting the street because you have to think there's going to be at least one or two better options that land some that that come loose somewhere so you know we'll just have to see but the fact that the receivers and practices are having to struggle a little bit when they're dealing with somebody besides Dak Prescott to me is just, that's the nature of how it goes. Paul, how do you feel about QB two? Are you like Tom? Are you just kind of indifferent? Are you like, Hey, if, if they're playing, we're screwed anyway. Like, are, are you passionate about this? I'm passionate to the extent where like, yeah, backup quarterbacks are, uh, tend to be important. Like, I kind of thought we kind of had that when we did have Andy Dalton as our backup. But, well said. Thousand points. Uh, so, but if that goes down, like you can really pretty much kiss your season goodbye, essentially. 
that's the, that's the way I'm kind of seeing with the Cowboys right now. It's like it's all on Dak, really. Like if you were to have like doesn't matter if it's Cooper Rush or Will Greer who's going to be coming in, it's like your 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 expectations are going to be quite low to see any um, points in the board really. Like mm. I've had, well, they will still score maybe score touchdowns depending on who you're playing against, but not as effective as Dak, I don't think. Um, Dan, what are you surprised we have not talked about yet? Hmm, that we have not talked about. Oh, let's see. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't talked about the cornerbacks. Why? Why? Why are you surprised? This well, is your thing now. I Make think that I think that um, I think that we're going to be half of us are going to be surprised to come roster cuts, depending on which direction they go. I don't think. Kelvin Joseph and Nashawn Wright are both going to make the team. Um, okay, let's 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 jump off of there. Let me get this up here, uh, Dan. Kelvin Joseph or Nashawn Wright. So who is Team Kelvin Joseph? Raise your hand if you have to pick one. You can only have one of these two, and and you can't pick. You know you can you have to, you literally have to cut one of these two. So who wants Kelvin Joseph on the team of these two? Hands up. Tom, Brandon, Dan are on the wrong team. Um, so the, those who prefer Nashawn Wright over Calvin Joseph are obviously me, Mark, and Paul. Um, so Dan, you make the Calvin case. Mark, you will make the right case, and then I will tell everyone who wins. But I'm Team Nashawn Wright, so but go ahead. <laughs> All right, who, who's starting this? You are Dan. All right, wait so to listen. You, so you could tell me how wrong I am. It's just, it's just all right. So I mean, so I I, I am not really Team. Kelvin as much as I'm anti Nashawn Wright. And it's painful to say because, you know, he's an Oregon State Beaver and, you know, you got to root on your guys, I guess. Um, but he's just terrible. I mean, we've watched him through two preseason games and he has no ability to change direction. He's he, he's so lanky. And I mean, I know that they, they value him for his length and, and he's really, his strength is when he's able to run down, down hill and close on, 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 uh, on receivers, but he's not getting those opportunities. He's receivers are getting behind him. He's getting beat. And then the worst part about Nation Wright, the absolute worst part about is when he is there to make a play. When he's there to make a play, he doesn't. He's like he's not able to jump. He's just out of like out of balance and or he'll he'll come in a little too early and he gets flagged for for a pass interference. So to me, Nation Wright would just scare me if we had to throw him out there on the outside and, and cover. At least with Kelvin Joseph he's when he get beats when he get gets beat he's right there to tackle the guy he's he's closer he can tell like he's almost there he has the, the athleticism um and t- so to me i think there's there's a there's a, a noticeable difference between the two and i on a person you know character personal you know alumni thing i'm, I'm all over you know i'm all for nation right but from a purely talents perspective and what's going to help the team better no, it's got to be. We got to get rid of it. We got to get rid of right. Mark, tell Dan why he's wrong and why uh, we're the winning team, please. Well, John Fossil likes Nation right on special teams, so he's got that going for him, which plays into the versatility that they're looking for when it comes to defensive backs on the roster. Uh, also, I think it'd be easy to hide Nation Wright. When you when he I mean look at what he's been playing with in the preseason. Where's Trayvon Diggs been? Where's been the Micah Parsons factor? Where's J. Ron Curse been on the back end? 
I think a lot of times if you've got good enough personnel that they can hide some of the deficiencies of a player like Nation Wright so that it's not as noticeable. And like I said, when it comes to the two of them, I think that Wright's ability Mark, to play I'm on so special... sorry to interrupt you, but Kelvin Joseph just had an interception at practice. <laughs> well, there you go. What was it? Was it perfect? It was pretty good, actually. I got him. It, it was. I would say it was underthrown. Was it from um, Danucci? No, was it, it was. Um, it was Cooper Rush at quarterback. Um, so we are just. What's the opposite of a kiss of death, Mark? Because um, that's that's what we are. Um, right. Yeah. Anti jinxes. No. That's yeah. That's not a like good enough name, Tom. Let, let the, leave the names to to Mark, please. But. Um, but Mark, you could still make you can still finish making the case because uh, you were on to something. Go ahead. It's over. Basically, Bones Fossil is going to talk them into saying, "Nation Wright's a better special teams player. I use him. He, he, we don't have Cedric Wilson anymore. I need an opposite of C.J. Goodwin." So that's I think the case that they'll make to keep Wright over Joseph. Um, Brandon, make your case, however incorrect it is. I mean. Uh, Calvin Joseph still has nat- more natural ability than that. Nation Wright to, to cover the cover the receiver. I mean, the, the issue with Nation Wright, which yes, yeah, some of it's technical, but his awareness is awful. I don't know how a six foot four guy can have so many balls just go over his head. I just uh, that's what perplexes me. I, I get that he's I, I get that he's a tall guy and he's lanky, so it kind of maybe maybe it's a little bit takes him a little bit longer to to kind of move around. But he, his hips, I, I feel like, are just not you know he doesn't have quick hips, and again, he just he's he's too handsy. He just loses his awareness. I mean, I've seen so many balls that he could easily at least break off or pick off that he's just let go over his head because he doesn't know where, where the ball is. And then there's a big play down the field. And with Calvin Joseph, I think Calvin Joseph, he's – I think he just – he showed flashes in that Philadelphia game last year where he looked more like the second-round pick that the Cowboys invested in him last year. So I would – you know, I would go – I'd bank on Calvin Joseph – just because I believe he's a more natural cornerback than Nation Wright, and I think the the ceiling for Kelvin Joseph, in my opinion, is much higher than Nation Wright at this stage. Um, that's well said. Um, I think Tom, Brandon, and Danny were wrong, but whatever. I think you had the benefit of luck happening where Kelvin happened to have an interception at the moment. But hey, um, it is what it is. Tom, I want to ask you a question. I, I know you've had the the stream on in the background, and again, I can't express how unique of a roundtable this has been to have something kind of happening in parallel with us. This does kind of feel like, and I saw Connor Livesey, one of our, our writers and, and podcasters, tweeted about Jalen Tolbert having a great practice. Again, bad first step, but then everything else has been great. This kind of feels like the, you know, like Dak almost like trying to will this into existence, Tom. Like Dak is looking for Tolbert often in this practice. It sort of feels like Dak, and, and that's, that's a Dak thing. I mean, Dak this is let me get my guy he just hit Tolbert again I mean this feels very intentional I don't maybe that's just me but I know you've had the stream on in the back Paul we'll get your thoughts too yeah Yeah. oh sorry yeah I I was just gonna say that I think you hit the nail on the head Dak is not just the quarterback he's the leader of the team and he I think he takes some responsibility for doing what he can to help players advance in their career with the Cowboys. And I, I think you very much hit it. I think he is looking for Tolbert, trying to get him more involved. I think it's great to get the, the young guy some more confidence coming in and let him know that 
he can work with with the first string as well because that's what we're looking for him to do. We're not concerned about how well he does in practice with backup quarterbacks. We want to know, what are you going to do when Dak's out there throwing the ball and he needs a completion? Paul. Paul. Sorry. Yeah, you should you, be sorry. Repeat? Yep, sorry. Uh, can you repeat the question, sorry? Just how do you read into that the same way, or or do you think it's coincidence here? I mean that that Tolbert just happens to be open. Oh, oh yeah, it's it's just it's just weird that we're just talking about Tolbert and he's just balling out like in practice right now. Like he's made really good uh, receptions, getting up field, like going to slant, going to deep route, and he, yeah, he's he's looking pretty good in this practice right now. And it's just I find it's kind of caught us all by surprise. Right now, but I think it just shows the difference when he's with Dak than compared to like Zach Cooper Rush. And I think this is where we're talking about makes our point earlier about our, our backup quarterback. Um, if Dak goes down, you're going to you're going to get different quality of delivery from the uh, from the ball uh, to the receivers. So uh, this all plays in a big massive factor here. Um. Well said. He's working with um, with the backup receivers now. I just targeted Kevontae Turpin a moment ago. Um, I have decided in the 11th hour um, that we will have a BTB roundtable winner. So there have all of a sudden I'm handing out points in, in hindsight and whatnot. So uh, be on the lookout for the final 10 minutes. So that being said, Mark, what is one thing you are surprised that we haven't spoken about yet? I'd say the running back situation. And I mean behind... Um, behind Tolbert and Ezekiel Elliott because you figure that Ezekiel Elliott, he played injured last year, 2020, he missed time. So he's not exactly getting any more durable as the year goes, as the years go on. So what's that RB3, RB4 can, you know, can, can they, carry four running backs what so what to, kind of roles the third running back going to have because there will probably be a game where tony pollard's your starting running back and then whoever's behind him is the guy that's either playing the zeke role which will be diminished you know according to the game plan or just someone that's spelling tony pollard so i think that backup running back is something that's not really talked about much. So along those lines, Johnny Boy RN says Davis looks too good to let go. Obviously, the Cowboys have an issue with Rico Daddle and Malik Davis. Um, Brandon, I've seen that you said in the chat four running backs. In your opinion, on the fifty-three, who shares that opinion? Hey, obviously, Brandon does. Who, who, just show of hands, who thinks four running backs need to be on this fifty-three man roster? Tom, that was a meek hand raise, Tom. Optimus Prime is a powerful hand, just to be very clear here so you're aware. Um, yeah, but, but it's, uh, not a, it's not a powerful opinion because that means you take something away from somewhere else, and those decisions are hard. Okay, Paul, you nodded in agreement for the podcast audience. Brandon, is the crux of your point that they're just too good to let go, that you want them around for the future? I imagine it is. Yes, especially Malik Davis. I mean, I, I think I think Battle. I, I think he'll be around for a while, but you have to think in the future because Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott. Uh, one of them is going to be gone next year. I feel like I, you know, Tony Pollard's going to get. I think Tony Pollard's going to get some big money next year, and then maybe Zeke's contract. They they're, they're trying to get out of it anyways. So why not have a guy like uh, or two guys like Rico Dowdle 
and Malik Davis. I mean, Malik Davis looks like a bowling pin out there, and he's got he's got he's quicker than that four point seven forty that he ran at the uh, at his pro day. So there's a, there's enough there where if you try to you try to sneak him on the practice squad, there is no chance in heck that they're going that he's not going to land somewhere because somebody will take him. Um, Danny, you haven't said a word. So before I offer my thoughts, you you seemingly disagree, like at least based off of implication. Well, uh, you know, we've all heard that, you know, no, no chance he makes it. And, you know, so we, we, we know that that's not always true. And uh, I will say, I do agree with, with Brandon and, and, and Malik is my, is my RB three. And, and that, and that has more to do with player control than anything else. And well, he's ahead too. I think he's, I think he's looks better. I've seen him also contribute on special teams. I think there's a value in Mal- having Malik Davis personally, I would keep him. On, I, I would keep him on the 53. Rico is probably going to, he's probably going to make it to the fire. I'm not worried about him being taken. I think he'll, he'll make it. Um, so I, I don't think we want to burn a roster spot to go deep at running back. Um, I, I definitely think I honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if we, if we cut them both initially and they both cleared. And uh, um, first of all, Cavante Turbin just made an excellent catch. Um so yeah, if he's not used, um, it will be sad. Paul, I know you have a close eye on, on the practice as well, so I, I know you know what, you, what I'm talking about. He looks a little bit winded, um, you know, but I think he, well, hopefully he's all right. Um, I disagree with all. Well, actually, Mark, uh, so do you think they should carry three or four running backs? Like, how do you feel about this? Three running backs, unless that fourth running back has high special teams value, which I don't think they'll have. So three running backs. Um, I don't understand this argument. I think it, like the one that all of you seem to share. Um, so I, I feel like Jon Snow, like just taking on the whole army. Um, I understand that we like Rico Dowell. I understand that we like Malik Davis. I understand we're worried about what happens if Zeke's gone next year, Tony Pollard's gone next year. What happens if they're both gone next year? They found Rico Dowdle and Malik Davis quite easily. Tom, you wrote about this, how that actually highlights how frustrating it is that they have devoted such an incredible amount of resources to Zeke specifically. And so... I mean, look how easy it was. It, they, they weren't even trying to find, you know, starting caliber running backs or, or quality caliber running backs, and they've stumbled their way backwards into two of them. So I'm not worried about that at all, even if they do, you know, wind up moving on. I obviously hope that that doesn't happen. Um, but, I mean, does anybody share that sentiment? Am I coming out of left field here, or is that practical, just maybe not something that, that is a cool opinion? Mark? I, I, what's funny is when next year, if they do let both of them go, um, and then – Whatever move they make, which will probably be a mid to late round addition, sign a veteran, they'll act like, well, you know, this this is how we think you need to go at running back, you know, because at the end of the day, uh, you can find guys and, you know, just need them to run the ball. <laughs> Tom, so were, that's what's you, funny about it. You were going to say something, Tom. Yeah, I, I – there are other teams out there that have the same thing. They've got their, their third and fourth string running backs, and everybody's like, ooh, how are we going to keep all these guys on the team and everything? That's why I'm, I'm like, I believe it was Dan that says, I don't think you have to worry about these guys getting poked because running back talent seems to be the easiest thing to find in the NFL. That's my point. Positions. Yeah, it's like I, I just, you know, I think they should have running backs available for depth. Because we had a problem with Zeke last year. And I hope that they don't go with rolling with Zeke 
like they did last year because, well, they didn't really trust what they had behind him. They need to, to make sure they've got depth on the roster. I think they've got two good candidates, and they need to have somebody that can go out there and take that heavy workload that Zeke was still carrying, even though he was playing very limited due to the, the strain on his uh, his tendon. Mm. Um, okay. What I took away from that is I'm right and you're all wrong. Um, the time has come to award the BTB Roundtable winner. I have been tabulating all of the points in my mind. Um, silently and respectfully. Um, and that being said, with an easy 39 points for Quandre Mosley, Paul Stewart is our BTB roundtable winner. However, this is a rare roundtable win. It's a rare roundtable episode. You get a plus one, Paul. Like oh. Jeff Probst often tells people in Survivor, somebody who wins a reward challenge, you get to bring somebody with you. You're going to go eat you know, pizza and burgers or something like that. You get to bring somebody to the dance with you paul now you can you can ask anybody to to you know make their case to you you can just do it on your own it's your thing but you get a plus one to split today's roundtable trophy with oh um i'll go with my mad tom so you're not <laughs> just just gonna give it to tom without even yeah. you know hearing anybody out <laughs> yeah yeah so, sorry sorry <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, I think I didn't realize that was the rule. Sorry, Tom. How do you feel? You're like you're like a injured player on the Super Bowl winning team. Like you get the ring, you get the cap and T-shirt and everything. Like you know, you, you feel do you feel like it's authentic? I think it's because my fiance loves his accent. And I'll take <laughs> oh no, 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 guns. no, no! It's nothing to do with that. <laughs> that was an awkward moment before the show started um, oh, that nobody God. had to hear, thankfully. Um, but uh, wow, Paul, why Tom? So that Mark, Brandon, and Dan will be upset. Uh, I think it was more on the points of the offensive line he made. Uh, I, I felt more quite on in sync what he was saying about that, especially with the whole Josh Ball situation and stuff like that, and and me being an offensive lineman guy and D line guy. So I, I it really had a home run with me. So I completely agree with his points in that. Brandon, how do you feel? Um, you know, look, my roundtable order was objective, point based, but Paul's was completely subjective. He didn't choose you of his own accord. That's all right, Paul. I, I still like you. I like the accent, so I'll, I'll give you a pass on this one. Mark, do you feel slighted in any way, shape, or form? No, it just means I have to work harder and bring it 167 hours from now. You know, so there's a great opportunity to get better, and I think getting denied twice in one night like this really fortifies the resolve I have in self-improvement. Um, good luck following that, Dan. Uh, but how are you feeling in the wake of uh, losing out not just once but twice on the Roundtable Award? I'm not feeling good about it, to be honest. You know, I think a line in the sand has been drawn, and I think you know I'm going to be looking for an opportunity to blindside him. So just uh, you know, be you know be careful now. I was really hoping that you were going to choose Danny, uh, Paul, if I'm being honest, because he's the only person I know that watches Survivor around here. Um, so he got the reference from Jeff Probes and the loved ones challenges and things like that. So um, way to not be able to read my mind successfully. Um, let's see. DJ Dog 31, by the one, said, uh, like when sitting on the bench while Foles is winning the Super Bowl. So, Paul, you are Nick Foles in this case. And, Tom, you are Carson Wentz. Um, so. Oh, poor Tom. <laughs> yeah, Tom, you have been dubbed Optimus Prime and Carson once um, on this episode. So, and yeah. you got a half of the roundtable win. So, uh, big night for you, Tom Ra. Congratulations, um, Paul. As the roundtable winner, um, I would like for you to send us out with a with a tune. Sing us a line of any song 
but in the most melodic voice that you possibly can. Hmm. Um, let me see. Um, can I stop this feeling deep inside of me? Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me. There you go. Holy crap, Michael Bublé just showed up for five seconds. 